I have a watch that I wear on a daily basis, and it has all kinds of amazing features. Do you guys remember when watches used to just sell, just tell time, right? Um, but uh, this watch that I have keeps track of more information than you could ever possibly care to know about. And I don't know if anyone else experiences like data overload from just what you get from your watch, but it's a reality for some of us. It's a struggle. Um, But uh, I have found one feature that is particularly helpful is is the heart rate monitor on my watch. Um, So every morning, I wake up and I check my watch, and it tells me what my resting heart rate is. And it's helpful because I know that if it varies more than four beats per minute, um, usually if it's on the higher end of four beats per minute, that means one of two things. It either means that I've just been too active, doing too much, and I need to take a day off and take it easy, or it means that I'm sick. And I don't know it yet, but I can tell from my heart rate that uh, it's, it's going on on the, on the inside, and eventually... Uh, my nose will start stuffing up or I'll start coughing and, uh, and I'll know about it. So it's kind of an advanced early warning system uh, that's, that's helpful in many ways. And so I want to talk about keeping track of our hearts this morning, um, keeping track of what's going on at the level of our hearts. Um, it's obviously critical to maintaining a healthy lifestyle. And the book of Proverbs, it, it calls us uh, to pay attention to what's happening in our lives at the heart level. Uh, not so much just, just our physical health, um, it's more about our, our emotional health, our emotional well-being. So in Hebrew, the word that our English Bibles translates for heart, it literally describes the deepest part of who we are. It's like the gut, these, those deep organs and, uh, and Proverbs talks about paying attention to what's happening in there, uh, not just on the outside, but on the inside. Pay attention to the health of your heart because the heart, the inside is a place that can easily get hurt. Um, it's a different kind of hurt from, from physical hurts that we sometimes experience where you can just put a Band-Aid over a physical wound and it'll get better. Uh, Proverbs talks about having a wounded spirit. Um, Proverbs 15, 13 says this, uh, a happy heart makes the face cheerful, but heartache crushes the spirit. So when our hearts are happy on the inside, it typically will register um, in our expressions, right? Our facial expressions. But, but when we're aching on the inside, that, that pain can be pervasive. It can feel like the deepest part of who we are is getting crushed, like someone squeezing a tin can that feels what's what it feels like on the inside. And, and that's an indication of how powerful emotions are. Um, they need to be attended to, not ignored, uh, because they're always going to find a way to surface in the way that we do life. Now, Christians, uh, by and large, we often tend to focus almost exclusively on on feeling good, on the happy feelings. Uh, I remember as a child singing songs like this one, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart to stay, right? Um, Or this other one, on the cross, or at the cross where I first saw the light, 
where the burdens of my heart rolled away, it was there by faith, I received my sight, and now I'm happy all the day. I don't know if that's your reality, but it's not mine, okay? Um, And don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that there isn't joy, right? There is joy, and it is real. It transcends our circumstances. It's just that there's more to our story than just happiness and joy. Alongside that joy, we also experience some very painful, deep emotions, Uh, emotions like grief, disappointment, hurt, confusion. Um, And so I could say, I've got the joy of the Lord down in my heart, but let's get real, right? I don't know anyone who's happy all the day. Um, We do tend to have a harder time working through the realities of heartache, of, of sadness, and sometimes we just try to stuff them and ignore them and and just not deal with them at all. And that's understandable because those emotions can be very unsettling. We're not quite sure how to deal with them. We're not sure what's going to happen if we let them loose. And there typically aren't any quick fixes uh, for, for dealing with them. But, but the reality is that they're there. Heartache, we could call it that, is a reality for every person on this planet. In Proverbs 14, 13, it says this, that even in laughter the heart may ache, and joy may end in grief. That, that proverb makes me think of uh, Robin Williams. He comes to mind, you know, this guy who just, uh, his life was all about making other people laugh, and he had this amazing just capacity to lighten people's spirits. And, and yet all the time, he was wrestling through this deep personal heartache that he was never able to get a hold of. Uh, but isn't that proverb true, that that even when we're laughing, even when we're experiencing times of happiness and enjoy, there are still these, these tinges of sadness that they're, they're there. They, they don't go away. They're off in the distance, but they're lurking. And so laughter is good medicine, but it is so fleeting as well. Uh, Proverbs 14.10 says this, each heart knows its own bitterness and no one else can share its joy. That, that means that there are spaces, there are rooms in our hearts that are sort of like ours alone, right? That, that the emotions run so deep, whether it be good or bad, that they're almost too private uh, to bring to the surface. But what stands out to me about that passage is that it says, each heart, every one of us, not, not just some of us, this applies to all of us. There's there's some emotions that when they come flooding in, um, sometimes it seems like it's just me. Like I am the only one dealing with this. Like everybody else in this room obviously has their act all together. Why is no one else wrestling with the things that I'm dealing with? Is, there's got to be something wrong with me. Uh, maybe I'm lacking faith. Uh, maybe I've let God down. Maybe he's just had it with me and he's gone out of my life. Those those are some of the questions that can surface. Um, But the reality is, is that this is something that everyone deals with. Um, Now, some may do a better job than others of hiding it. And the particulars of the heartache that we experience, that's going to look different in each of our lives. And the intensity will vary 
But the reality is this applies to all of us. That means it doesn't matter how much money you make. Uh, It doesn't matter what position you hold. Um, And if you haven't figured it out already, having Jesus in your life doesn't exempt you from experiencing heartache. Have you noticed that? Uh, Scripture is just replete with examples. Like Elijah, he, he got to this place where he was crushed in spirit. In the wake of this incredible victory, he was just ready to pack it all in. And, and then there's the Apostle Paul. He, he writes about being at this place of utter despair at the beginning of 2 Corinthians. Or, or how about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane? He said, I am in such anguish that I am at the point of death. He had a crushed heart. He sweat drops of blood. It was so bad. And the reality is each of us will have to wrestle through our own share of heartache and heartbreak and and the pain of hurt and the pain of loss. I, I I just, just imagine if we could just take a look at what's going on in each other's lives, um, and see at the heart level, on the inside, the same way that we see on the outside, right? We look at each other on the outside, and sometimes it all looks so good. Everything looks so put together. But if we could see what's going on on the inside, I think if, if nothing else, we would just treat each other so differently, with much more sensitivity, with, with so much more grace, because there's a lot more going on in our lives, every one of our lives, than just what we can see with our senses through our eyes. Um, So Proverbs talks about the reality, and then it also talks about some of the reasons that cause heartache. Uh, We'll take a look at a few of them. Now, what we're going to look at, this is very far from a a comprehensive list, but but maybe you can relate to a few of of these things that Proverbs talks about. And in Proverbs 13, 12, it says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. You know, sometimes... Heartache is, is the result of just the absence and the void of hope. Uh, when we set our expectations around some kind of preferred future outcome, and for whatever reason, that outcome doesn't happen. You know, this, this is where I hoped that I would be at this point in my life, but no matter how hard I try, I just can't seem to get there. And, and that's this disappointment sets in and it hits deep. And, and when disappointment turns into discouragement and, and discouragement starts turning into hopelessness and that spills over into our hearts and Proverbs says, watch out for that. That's like the, like, like the, the, the dashboard signals flashing. Uh, there's something there that needs to be paid attention to. You see, when we lose hope, we lose heart. Hope is that essential to life. It's as necessary and as essential as food is to our physical health. Um, Jeremiah was an Old Testament prophet. He was prophet to God's people when they were in the most hopeless situation. They were prisoners in Babylon, and their situation looked so bleak. Everywhere they looked, everything reminded them that they had failed that their rebellion was paying the consequences and this was it. And and in the midst of that, um, this word from the Lord came to Jeremiah and it it was like a lifeline that he held out to God's people. He said this, and you probably are familiar with this verse, but you may have not known the context that it came in. He says, for I know the plans I have for you, 
Yeah, right now you are in Babylon, you're in chains, you're in prison. It doesn't look like there's anything good happening on the scene of your life. But he says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. See, hope is the outcome of grabbing onto this realization that God is active in your life. That, that we're not just limited to the sum product of our own successes and our failures, that hope comes from encountering the God of grace because he doesn't just give us what we deserve. He gives us the grace that we don't deserve, and that's a beautiful thing. Uh, so let me ask you, what does the hope quotient look like in your life right now? What do you see when you look into the future? Do you look with dread or do you look with delight? Second question is this, is, is that future, is it up to you or is it up to the Lord? Because when we answer that question, we can see what the future looks like. And I know for myself, I can just speak for myself, when I'm not taking the time to feed my soul on the Lord and, and spending time quiet with him and taking the distractions out and letting him speak to me, that's, that's when hopelessness starts to creep into my heart. Proverbs 14.30 says this, a heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Envy here is contrasted with peace, and, and envy steals the peace away from our hearts. It rots out our lives from the inside out. Uh, envy is that, is that disposition that says, I see and I want. It's fixated on what we don't have. And the idea is no matter how much I have, it's just not enough. I'm in this continual pursuit of just a little bit more. And, and by the way, isn't this the default disposition of our, of our modern culture today, right? We're, we're identified, uh, whether you know it or not, as consumers, right? We're fed this message by the media all day long that if you want to be happy, all it takes is just a little bit more. doesn't matter uh, if you're lower class, middle class, upper class, it's just not enough. And that's toxic to the heart. And if we drink that poison down, it is going to do some damage. It's going to lead us to a place of despair. And, and I don't think it's a coincidence that in this day, in this age that we're living in, where, where we have such abundance, such prosperity, that we're living in times of unrivaled hopelessness and, and emptiness more than ever. Envy blinds us from the bounty that's in front of us already. And I don't know about you, having spent a little bit of time in some third world countries, I've just found that some of the happiest people I've ever met are those who have had the least. There's just not a correlation between stuff and, and being happy. Um, so refuse to make contentment dependent on how much you have, um, on how you compare to the crowd, on whether you're keeping up with the Joneses, right? When that attitude starts, starts taking shape, kill it. We kill it by just cultivating contentment, by reminding ourselves that right here, right now, as things are, God has been better to me than I deserve. He is good, and the abundance of his grace and his love and his blessing, that he's, not that he's going to pour out to me, 
that he's already poured out to me that, you know, God could not pour out another single blessing on my life for the remainder of my lifetime, and I would still be drowning in grace, in the goodness of God. His grace is amazing. Gratitude is one of the things that restores health to to our hearts, giving thanks in everything. Paul said that in Philippians 4.12, that he learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. It wasn't a credit card with a higher spending limit, right? It wasn't going to the mall on a shopping spree. It wasn't going to the liquor store to numb out on substances. It wasn't having everything lined up in life just the way that he wanted it to go. He says, whether I'm well-fed, whether I'm hungry, whether I'm living in plenty or in want, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. That's it being connected to and surrendered to the source of strength that always promises to be enough in every situation. Proverbs 15.4 says this, the tongue that brings healing is a tree of life, but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. A deceitful tongue, living with lies is hazardous uh, to our hearts, right? Um, when there's this pattern of saying, this is what I'm going to do, but I don't follow up and do it, that blows things up. And the reality is that we're relational people, and, and truth is a prerequisite to personal relationships. Deceitfulness destroys them. And, you know, we like to watch these different uh, sitcoms on TV, and it seems like the, the storyline to every episode is the same. Uh, you know, the husband tries to get away with this little white lie that he tells to the wife. She catches him, he's caught, and then everything turns out fine. Uh, Maybe on the TV shows, that's the way it works out, but uh, make no mistake, in real life, it doesn't go that way. Deceit destroys, and, and truth is what sets us free. So there's these three things. These, these three causes, hopelessness, envy, and deceit. And there's a direct connection between the presence of these qualities and and, and the health in our hearts. And and so what I want to challenge you to do is to just connect the dots. Connect the dots in your life between how your heart is and and, and what's going on in those areas. And so we've looked at the what, we've looked at the why, and I want to just uh, look at the how. How does a hurting heart find healing? It says this in Proverbs 20, verse 5. The purposes of a man's heart are deep waters, but a man of understanding draws them out. Uh, I, I love that verse. I have such a powerful proverb. It's, it's helping us understand that when, when we're talking about matters of the heart, we have waded our way into some deep waters, right? Uh, there are no quick fixes. There, there may not be those Sunday school answers because the soul is a complicated space, And so it's more than just, well, do A and then add to A, B, and then go to sleep. And when you wake up in the morning, C will happen. You're fixed, right? That's that's not what we're talking about. These are deep waters. But on the other end, we're also, we aren't talking about a place that's beyond reach either, right? It takes patience. It takes time. But there is a way back from heartache, There is healing for heartache. And it talks about having a man or a woman of understanding on the scene of your life. That that means 
if nothing else, being connected to community, having people who are willing to go the distance with you, to draw you out, and to bring you back, right? In other words, what is this saying is, don't go it alone. And, and so we're probably aware of that there's this vicious cycle um, that happens. When things are hurting on the inside, when our hearts are hurting, isn't our natural inclination to isolate at that point, right? Um, at the very time when we need to be connected to others the most, that's when we want to be around them the least, truth. And I just tell you that to be aware of it, right? We, we can be aware of that. There are times when we may have to just will our way into community. Uh, when you least want to is oftentimes when you most need to. And, and yes, you may be understood by some people. You may encounter a few of Job's friends who mean well, but just end up, you know, pour, pouring salt on an open wound but you also may find some really genuine, authentic people, uh, some men and some women of understanding who can go the distance with you. In, in my life, I'm so thankful for, for, for these people. I'm, I'm thankful for the people who've met me where I am, whether it's good or whether it's bad, and, and take the time uh, to walk with me, to go the distance with me, to draw out what's really going on at the inside level. It's a, it's a real gift to have these people in your life, to see the beyond the surface and, and to get to the heart of, of what's really going on. See, what it's telling us is that we need each other. We, we need that connection. I have a cousin who's a, he's a dean of psychology. He teaches at the doctoral level. And, and he's told me that uh, so many of the people that he's worked with over the years, they were less in need of a professional therap- therapist and they were more in need of just some genuine friendships. That's an incredible need. We, we, we live in this world of, of disposable friendships, of consumeristic community, and we look at people oftentimes and say, what can you do for me? And if you can't do for me what I want, then see ya, we're gone. And, and somehow we have to get beyond that, and, and we try to intentionally do that here at, uh, at Lakeview. Um, the goal according to this Proverbs, is that things would get drawn out. What's on the inside would get drawn out to the outside. You see, there's no expression, or without expression, we end up stuffing it. And when there's no expression, it leads to depression. And the Bible gives us some resources for for getting what's on the inside out, uh, like like the entire book of Lamentations. There's this Old Testament book of Lamentations. It's about going to God during those seasons in our lives when our hearts are so heavy, when our souls are crushed. Or there's, there's Psalms of lament. Um, they do the same thing. They, they give us words to pray to God when our souls are so dried up that we don't, we don't have words to pray. I don't know if you've been there. Sometimes we just don't have words to pray. We can go to the Psalms and pray those words. And finally and ultimately, there's Jesus. Because he is the ultimate man of understanding in our lives. And, and I believe this proverb is pointing us directly to our compassionate Savior, uh, Jesus. Hebrews tells us that he knows 
He knows what's going on. He's, he understands and he ministers to our lives out of compassion and in exactly the way that we need, in a way that no other human person can. See, we don't just have a savior who just is far off and distant and can't relate to, to what we're going through in our lives. He's, he's experienced it all, the gamut of emotions, all of the situations. He knows what heartbreak is. He's been rejected. Uh, he's been misunderstood. He's been treated unjustly. He's been abandoned by friends. And, and so when you take your life and bring it to him, you don't find indifference. You find a savior who can sympathize fully. And so I say all that, not as a quick fix, but to let you know that heartbreak and heartache is it's not Hotel California. It's not you can check in, but you can never check out, right? That doesn't mean that there isn't going to be any struggle, that there won't take any effort. For, for some of us, we understand that this is something that needs to be wrestled with on an ongoing basis, probably for the rest of our lives. I, I would compare it more to a, uh, to a twisted knot. And uh, I'll tell you the story about... Uh, Uh, a fishing story that happened a while ago. My dad uh, gave our son, Jonathan, some fishing gear a few years back. And and Jonathan is our crazy fisherman. Um, My dad is also a pretty uh, crazy fisherman. It skipped a generation. To me, fishing is basically the same thing as watching paint dry. And uh, I really don't care much for it. Uh, But Jonathan is insane about it. And and my dad gave him about a dozen fishing hooks with the leads attached to them. And a lead is like just about a, a foot of fishing line attached to the hook. And so he had these dozen fishing hooks. And in about three days, it got twisted up into the biggest knot you have ever seen. Just this convoluted set of knots. And they were wrapped together. And it was just this big, tremendous mess. I looked at this wad of of fishing line and hooks. And I said, man, you gotta just throw that thing out. Let's go to the store and I'll buy you another few leads. Uh, but my dad saw that and he said, here, give them to me. So he took, he took the leads, he brought them home and he took the time to unravel every one of those knots. And if you know what it's like to unravel knots, particularly for fishing line, you know that when you get the one out, it leads to the next one. And there's another one waiting for you. But with time, with diligence, he worked it all out. He slowly got each line untangled. And then he put each line, each hook onto this cork. And he attached them in this round circle so they wouldn't get tangled up again. Then he brought it back over and he handed it over to Jonathan. And there it was. And it was just this beautiful, amazing sight. What's, what started out looking like just a hopeless wad of knots When we gave it to him, he handed it back and gave us something even better than it started out as. And I think maybe that's just a little bit like what God is able to do with our lives when we give him those broken places in our hearts, those broken spaces inside us. If we embrace the process, we have a heavenly father who is willing and able to take the time to go to work, to bring us to a place of healing, of wholeness, and make something beautiful over what we hand over to him. Let's pray together.